Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do a terrific job. You can find out more by visiting the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific guest for today's show, including Pastor Rick Stevens, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll visit with Dr. Tony Dale. He is the founder of Sidera.com. We're talking about the uh, options besides the public option. For uh, healthcare. We'll also visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government and former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be joining us as well. It is June the 17th, and on this day in 1885, the dismantled Statue of Liberty, a gift of friendship from the people of France to us, arrived in New York uh, in the harbor after being shipped across the Atlantic Ocean in 350 individual pieces packed in more than 200 cases. The copper and iron statue, which was reassembled and dedicated the following year in a ceremony presided by U.S. President Grover Cleveland, became known around the world as an enduring symbol of freedom and democracy. Intended to commemorate the American Revolution and the century of friendship between the United States and France, the statue was designed by French sculptor Frédéric Auguste Bortholdi, who modeled it after his own mother, by the way, with assistance from engineer Gustave Eiffel, who later developed the iconic tower in Paris bearing his name. The statue was initially scheduled to be finished in 1876, the 100th anniversary of the America's Declaration of Independence. However, funding efforts, which included auctions, a lottery, and boxing matches, took longer than anticipated, both in Europe and the United States, where the statue's pedestal was to be financed and constructed. The statue alone cost the French an estimated $250,000, which is about $5.5 million in today's money. Finally completed in Paris in the 54, the statue, a robed female figure with the uplifted arm holding a torch, reached in its new home on Bedloe's Island in New York Harbor on June the 17th, 1885. After being reassembled, <clears throat> the uh, 400 statue was officially dedicated on October the 28th, 1886 by President Cleveland, who said, We'll not forget that liberty here was made her home, not shall uh, her chosen altar be neglected. More than 305 feet from the foundation of its pedestal to the top of the torch, the statue is dubbed Liberty Enlightening the World by Bartholdi, who was taller than the structure in New York, any other structure in New York City at the time. Not anymore. The statue was originally copper-colored, but over the years, of course, it went under this natural change process called patination that produced its current greenish-blue hue. In 1892, Ellis Island, located near Bedloe's Island, which is in 1956 was renamed Liberty Island, opened as America's chief immigration station for the next 62 years. Lady Liberty, as the statue is nicknamed, stood watch over the more than 12 million immigrants who sailed into New York Harbor. In 1903, a plaque inscribed with a sign entitled The New Colossus by American po- poet Emma Lazarus, written 20 years earlier for a pedestal fundraiser, was placed on the interior wall of the pedestal. Lazarus' now famous words, which include, Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, became symbolic of America's vision for itself as the land of opportunity for immigrants. 
some 60 years after President Calvin Coolidge designated the statue a national monument in 1924. It underwent a multi-million dollar restoration, which included a new torch and a gold leaf covered flame, and was rededicated by President Ronald Reagan on July the 4th, 1986, in a lavish celebration. Following the terrorist attacks on September the 11th, 2001, the uh, statue was closed. Its base pedestal and observation deck reopened in 2004. Sound reopened in the uh, public to the public on July the 4th, 2009. Such an interesting story: the Statue of Liberty. It is by millions of folks uh, around the globe each year. Well, Florida has bragging rights for another reason, or at least a day against other coastal wannabes. The peninsula, dominated by a lot of Wednesday's list of the best 2021 beach towns to live in, and featured Naples, the number one slot, according to the Wallet Hub's financial analysis. So we're number one best beach town in uh, the United States, best uh, best in California, Hawaii, and others. The Sunshine State had five of the top 12 in the nation, including Sarasota, Boca Raton, Destin, and Vero Beach. And numerous other communities made the grade two, Venice, Jupiter, Jacksonville Beach, Panama City Beach, Satellite Beach, Pensacola, to name a few, from Southwest Florida, Benita Springs, and Markland, landed in the middle of the pack. Wallet Hub compares 145 ocean and Gulf of Mexico destinations across 62 livability indicators, including weather, safety, economy, affordability, health, and education. Pretty amazing. This is not the first time. uh, Almost the uh, top. Well, so many great accolades here for uh, Naples, Florida, including the healthiest and happiest community, as well as I recall, over the last couple of years. Wholesale prices in the United States increased at their fastest annual rate ever in May, driven by Rising food price inflation threatens to derail the post-pandemic economic recovery. The producer price index, which measures inflation pressure before it reaches consumers, rose 0.8% in May for an annual growth rate of 6.6%. The biggest jump since annual data was first compiled in 2010, according to the Labor Department. The annual gain is somewhat skewed by the base effect from last year's data, which prices plunged early in the pandemic, but nevertheless, offers another worrying signal to consumers that dollars won't stretch as far as they used to. Thank you, Joe Biden. Well, U.S. stocks dropped Wednesday after the Federal Reserve raised its inflation expectations and moved up the time frame on which it will make its next hike interest rate hikes. The Dow Jones Industrial Average lost 265 points, almost a one percentage point. Uh, the blue chip average turned sharply lower after the Fed's statement falling as much as 382 points, so it did come back nicely before the uh, close. So they're looking at uh, perhaps increasing the interest rate as soon as 2023. Uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin said Wednesday that his summit with President Biden was constructive, and that the countries agreed that their ambassadors would immediately return, or imminently return, to their posts in Moscow and Washington. Many of our joint uh, positions are divergent, but nevertheless, I think both sides manifested a determination to try and understand each other and try and uh, converge on our positions, he told reporters. (laughs) President Biden just gave him 16 different sectors that uh, he asked Putin not to cyber attack. 16 sectors. I guess that means everything else is okay. I just don't understand that point of view. It seems to me the standard should be 
No cyber attacks from Russia. None. Putin, by the way, in his <laughs> his uh, his uh, presser after the uh, after the meeting said that you know what uh, we don't uh, do cyber attacks. Actually, the number one location in the world for cyber attacks is the United States. He actually said that. Amazing. Anyhow, he uh, a number of things came up. Our president was sitting there with uh, cards, uh, index cards with notes on them to <laughs> to meet with President Putin. But uh, irrespective, the meeting, I guess, was a success, according to both of them. However, most people, who are pundits, who are looking at it, saying, what got done? Nothing, actually. So it was mainly a photo op, I think, for the president. And uh, uh, gave, as one, uh, I think it was uh, Rick Scott said, our senator, U.S. senator said, that was an awfully big stage that we gave to uh, Putin. Certainly didn't deserve it. A few observations about the Geneva summit. Joe Biden brought in a set of cheat cards. I already mentioned that. And because nothing exudes strength like cheat cards. Joe Biden gave a short, garbled speech about his meeting with Russian uh, President Vladimir Putin in Geneva. He also called on a list of pre-approved reporters. I wonder if any of the questions were pre-approved as well. I just don't know. As usual, they gave me a list of some people I'm going to call on, Biden said. It began to fall apart halfway through the Q&A session. Then Joe interrupted a reporter to take off his coat. I'm going to take my coat off. The sun's hot, he said. Apparently, the 87-degree weather meeting with Putin and questions from the media got to Biden because he snapped. CNN Caitlin Collins uh, shouted an impromptu question to Biden as he walked away from the podium. Why are you so confident that Putin will change his behavior, Mr. President? CNN's Caitlin Collins shouted. Biden turned around and yelled at the CNN reporter, What the hell? What do you want? What do you do all day? He said. <laughs> Biden berated the reporter who asked pertinent questions about Vladimir Putin. If you don't understand that, you're in the wrong business, he said. Well, he snapped at her. He apologized later, but uh, I guess that comes with, what is it, Alzheimer's? I'm not sure what that comes with. But nevertheless, it's bad behavior on the part of the president of the United States. By the way, the president uh, administration, the President Biden's administration, announced their plans to create ways for Americans to report radicalized friends and family to the government in an effort to fight domestic terrorism. Snitches. They want to turn Americans into snitches. In a conversation with the reporter, one senior administrator official explained that the importance of stopping politically fueled violence before it starts. We will work to improve public awareness of federal resources to address concerning or threatening behavior before violence occurs, the official said. Uh, look, uh, this is just, this is not good. Because when you have people, you know, political enemies, you have uh, people who have arguments, whatever it might be, uh, there are police and officials to take care of this. We certainly don't need uh, neighbors ratting on each other. Just my opinion. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date. By reading Life in Naples, the website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Pastor Rick Stevens, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform. I hope you check it out. ChoiceSocial.us is the website. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dr. Tony Dale, the founder of Sidera.com. Right now we have with us Pastor Rick Stevens. Pastor Stevens is, Pastor Rick is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Pastor Rick, thanks so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you. Uh, tell us about uh, the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, the Florida Citizens Alliance is people like your listeners, uh, parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, all the people in a child's life who care about that child and want them to have a good education that teaches them how to read and to write and to learn the things that they need to know to function in life. We look for solutions to problems. We don't just complain about problems. And we actually have had some success in getting those solutions done, including the solution to Common Core, getting rid of it and replacing it with better standards. So that's what we do. Yeah, and uh, you've had a terrific impact. Uh, Of course, I'm a founding member of the Florida Citizens Alliance and proud to say it, and so much has been accomplished under your leadership. So congratulations to you. I thought we'd start off by an update on critical race theory. The the governor says it's not going to exist in our uh, school systems, and uh, yet... It seems to have tentacles that uh, somehow, some way, get into the, the the teaching materials. Maybe you could tell us about it. Well, well, it does. And um, as some of your listeners are probably aware, there was a lot of conversation in Collier County this week about that very problem because the school board was considering books that many residents thought had serious flaws in them. Mm-hmm. Well, they ultimately approved the books, but at the same time, they said they were against critical race theory. 
So at the same time, uh, late last week, the State Board of Education passed a rule, and it identified some specific things that need to be taught and some specific things that need to be avoided. One of the things to be avoided is the teaching of critical race theory. And what the State School Board of Education said was, we need to teach our children factual, objective history. Tell them what actually happened, not create a lens through which they see things and then try to interpret things in a certain way to guarantee them to come to a certain conclusion. And in a sense, that's what critical race theory does. It, it adopts a perspective before examining the evidence and then requires the evidence, the factual objective reality, to line up to their preconditions. And it actually divides people, teaches our children to uh, be suspicious of each other, to be uh, guilty because they are a cer certain race, to feel oppressed if they are another race. It's, it's just an insidious approach to things and completely immoral. And so the governor and the State Board of Education have said no critical race theory in our schools. So we, we now have, we know that some of the books have a critical race theory, even though it's not called that in the teaching. So how are they going to circumvent that? How are the teachers going to deal with that? Well, this, this rule that the State Board of Education passed is, is directly uh, instructing the teachers what they must do as a teacher. Mm -hmm. So, yes, you're right. A lot of the materials will have things related to or concepts from, maybe we should say, critical race theory. It's very difficult to get all of that out for a lot of reasons, and I'm not excusing the, the need to get them out. I'm just explaining this is the situation where we are. Yep. Well, now what a teacher has to do, a teacher has to make sure that nothing is taught in the classroom that resembles, represents, as a concept from critical race theory. I, I describe it a little bit this way. We've all read books, and, and some of the books we really agree with, and even in the books we agree with most, there's almost always something we disagree with. Right. Well, it now becomes the teacher's responsibility to make sure the students realize this book says this, but it's wrong, and it, it's not something you should pay attention to or learn because this is a distortion of history. <laughs> so it becomes the teacher's responsibility. I kind of describe it as this is the last filter on the delivery end of our teaching, yep. and the teachers are now required to do that. And if they don't, they're subject to sanctions, and mm -hmm. we need to encourage uh, everybody to pay attention to what's going on in their child's classroom so that that can be reported and corrected. Yeah, We, we, we depend on the teachers to teach our kids objective, factual information, and that's what this does. Well, thanks for that update. Uh, you uh, Off-air, you'd mentioned that there's, uh, I think you called it action civics, if I'm not mistaken, uh, but a, a new uh, part of the curriculum that you're concerned about? Yes, it, that's a concept that's been going around the country, and on its face, it sounds pretty benign, but we've learned that a lot of times, some of the most uh, awful ideas have awfully benign names. Mm -hmm. And people have been increasingly concerned and aware of this. And in fact, our own state legislature passed a bill uh, about action civics. We are encouraging the governor to veto that bill, because what action civics has been used to do is create activists of, of our students. And so they get assignments to go protest at a rally for this leftist cause or that leftist cause. And mm -hmm. so it becomes an indoctrination tool and a participation tool to get the kids to support things that they really probably don't understand and have no business supporting in the first place. And mm -hmm. so we're concerned that action civics will be used as a tool to advance leftist agenda items and undermine what most of the residents of Florida believe is true and correct and right. 
Well, thanks for that update. I hope the governor will uh, uh, not sign or veto that bill. So uh, before I let you go, I understand there was a concerning event that happened in Lee County School District. Oh, concerning is right. It's a, it's a heartbreaking story that's, that's still unfolding. I just learned about it a couple of weeks ago. A 12-year-old girl, now don't miss the age, 12-year-old girl went to school one day and told the school staff, that she no longer wanted to be a girl. She wanted them to treat her like she was a boy. And so they did. They began calling her by the boy's name that she asked for. And in every correspondence, including with the parents, and this is one of the ways the parents found out, began referring to her as a boy. Well, this went on for some time before the parents really became aware of it. And as you can imagine, they were outraged. Hmm. Absolutely livid. The father was so concerned, he went to a school board meeting and spoke to the school board, but he introduced himself and spoke under an alias because he was afraid that if his name got out there, it would threaten him and her his family. Hmm. And here's a situation that parents don't realize happens, that sometimes in some situations, schools actually cooperate with students against the student's parents. Hmm. And this is absolutely outrageous. For those of us who, who are Christians or Jewish we realize that what the school has done, it has helped the student violate one of God's top ten commandments, honor your father and mother. And this is simply an outrage. It is having devastating consequences to this little girl. Uh, the story is continuing to unfold. I have no idea how it's going to finish, but it's, a, it's an absolute tragedy that could have been averted if they had brought the parents in and just tried to help the little girl going through whatever this problem in her life is kids go through problems all the time that's sure. why they have parents to help them navigate this stuff and for the parents to be left out is absolutely unforgivable and we need to hold the schools accountable for that and parents wherever you are check it out make sure they're not holding information uh, or withholding information from you about your child yeah. it's absolutely devastating it is devastating pastor rick stevens again the co-founder of the florida citizens alliance uh, again exact examples of how you're staying on top of what's really happening helping us improve the school systems and public schools i uh, encourage you to visit goflca.com goflca.com is the website pastor rick thank you so much for joining us always a pleasure bob thank you my pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Dr. Tony Dale. He's the founder of Sidera.com. This will be an interesting conversation, a different way to deal with health care. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. 
Blue Provence French restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit gulfshoreplayhouse.org. That's gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. The website is gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Dr. Tony Dale. He is the founder of Sidera.com. Uh, Dr. Dale, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. So tell us about Sidera.com, what it's all about. Uh, well, Sidera uh, is a nonprofit medical cost-sharing community. Uh, it's a complete alternative to the insurance approach, uh, and it's an, a very effective way for uh, individuals uh, and you know, employees from companies uh, to be able to deal with the large medical bills for which they might normally use an insurance product. So interesting. You know, I, I read your, your column, uh, the United States needs a personal health care option, not a public option. And uh, this looks like a private as opposed to a government uh, way to take care of these costs. Maybe you could uh, tell us about the column and what your thoughts are. I'm sure I'd be happy to do that. Um, you know, I, I wrote the column because, you know, as a physician who trained and practiced for many years in Britain before in, emigrating to the United States, I've already effectively witnessed and been a part of a, a public option approach. Uh, the, the public option in simple terms is the uh, government saying, look, we would like to run health care because of the many challenges and problems that uh, the country is genuinely facing. Uh, and, you know, maybe the best way is to have a single-payer system uh, organized by the government. Uh, but for someone who's actually lived through that uh, type of, you know, a, a socialist approach where the, the basic understanding is that government uh, is the best provider of these uh, large type of services, uh, I would have many questions about that, especially... Uh, because the United States is a country which has uh, really exemplified what happens when uh, the, the private market, uh, the free market, is able to, uh, you know, flex it. So, uh, Dr. Dale, could you uh, explain to us, uh, it looks, uh, it seems to me that what happens is there's, it's kind of a, a co-op, co-op and uh, people are paying into it to, to uh, cover their, and I would call it catastrophic health care needs, uh, and uh 
so how does it work? Dr. Dale, are you there? Well, I think we've lost Dr. Dale. I apologize for that. that was <laughs> I really wanted to find out about this, but uh, nevertheless, uh, yeah, uh, I think we have lost uh, Dr. Dale. So uh, we're going to move on. And uh, I get, this sounds like an interesting comment, uh, concept. I really would like to get him back on the show sometime and find out how this works. And if there are all our alternatives here for us uh, here in the Florida, for example. Well, President Biden's push for a bipartisan infrastructure bill could be thwarted by growing division among Democratic lawmakers, some of whom want to go it alone on a sweeping multi-trillion dollar spending package. A coalition of 10 senators uh, reached an agreement last week for a $579 billion in new spending that would be funded without any tax hikes, according to a source familiar with the matter. The proposal would spend... $974 billion over five years and $1.2 trillion if it, if it continued over eight years, the source said. The senators did not release details of the plan, but the source said it would remain focused on core infrastructure projects. So now we have the Democrat plan, we have uh, President Biden's plan, we have now this group of bipartisan plan that's, that's being proposed. Of course, President uh, Biden wants to abandon bipartisan talks and pursue his initial $2.3 trillion American jobs plan unilaterally. That measure, first unveiled at the beginning of April, would make massive investments in the nation's crumbling roads and bridges, as well as transit systems, green energy, veterans' hospitals, and care for disabled and elderly Americans. I wouldn't vote for it, uh, said Senator Bernie Sanders, he said Monday on a bipartisan proposal. The bottom line is there are needs, face, uh, needs facing this country. Now is the time to address those needs, and it has to be paid for in a progressive way, given the fact that we have massive income, wealth, and inequity in America. Said like a true American, huh? Guy who really believes in free markets, Bernie Sanders. Without Sanders on board, the bipartisan infrastructure would need the support of at least 11 Republicans in order to pass the Senate. I don't see that happening. Vermont Independent was not only the only uh, Democrat to criticize the offer. Senator Richard Blumenthal, the Nag Dick, remember him, of Connecticut, called for the measure very, he called it very, very paltry and disappointing, though he indicated he would be willing to hold his nose and vote for the bill if all 50 members of the Democrat caucus agreed to vote for a bigger follow-up that would be passed using reconciliation. At least two other Democrats, of course that would be Ed Markey of Massachusetts and Jeff Merkley of Oregon have hinted they would oppose any infrastructure bill that does not allocate money towards fighting climate change. Progressive lawmakers are increasingly agitating to those uh, budget reconciliation and obscure Senate tool that allows them to uh, bypass Republicans and pass legislation using their slimmest possible majority as negotiations drag into their fourth week. Uh, the push uh, puts them at, at odds with the White House, which has signaled it's open to pursuing a bipartisan deal. Let's face it, it's time to move forward, said Senator Elizabeth Warren. She said that last week during an interview with CNN. The Republicans have held us up way too long, she said. The sentiment was echoed by Representative Pramila Jayapal, saying that incorrectly, I'm sure, the chair of the 100-member House Progressive Caucus, who maintained that she would not vote for a bill unless it included significant funding to address climate change. With Republicans adamantly opposed to any uh, tight tax hikes to fund the measure, Democrats are also starting to independently pursue a massive infrastructure bill. 
We're pursuing two tracks, one bipartisan and one reconciliation, Senator Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said. He said, even if we get a bill that uh, we can pass, we may just go ahead and uh, do uh, reconciliation as well. We're not going to sacrifice the bigness and boldness of the bill, he said. Still, it's unclear whether the party could secure the support of all 50 Democrats in order to pass the measure. Senators Joe Manchin of West Virginia and Kirsten Sinema of Arizona are both in the bipartisan group working on the infrastructure bill. Manchin also indicated Tuesday that he wanted to see a bipartisan talks continue and is not ready to support a passage, passing a bill or a package without Republicans. God bless Senator Joe Manchin. I hope he can keep the strength and his will during this, through this process. He is, and I'm Kirsten Sinema as well, both under tremendous pressure uh, from the uh, left. Uh, you know, when I talk about pressure, you may have heard about uh, the young man who wrote about uh, the Clintons, and uh, he, he was, uh, they're investigating his suicide now. Uh, I doubt, seriously, it was a suicide. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to be visiting with uh, Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. Listen to the Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, 
personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and publisher of uh, Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Tell us about less government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and we're headed in the wrong direction. Well, we certainly are. Hopefully we can recover, but <laughs> it's a long shot. So you wrote a... This is such an interesting story. One down, but there's another George Soros, Tom Steyer Republican in Ohio 15. This is unbelievable. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, this is the, the U.S. congressional race, not, the, not a state-level race. This is for U.S. Congress. Um, there's... It's a very jerry. The fifteenth is a very gerrymandered district, uh, so it's overwhelmingly Republican. The, the the Republican that was in it just quit to be to be to be head of the uh, Ohio Chamber of Commerce, and the la- he won in twenty twenty by twenty seven percent. Wow! So whoever wins the Republican primary wins the general. The general is an afterthought. So what Democrats do, and they do, they did this a lot in Texas. I saw when I was down there in the in the late nineties, early two thousands. They run. They run Democrats in the Republican primary, <laughs> and the, you know, of course, we know who George Soros is. He's funded hundreds of billions of dollars of terribleness here and all over the world. Yep. Um, Tom Steyer made became a billionaire trading oil and gas futures, and now is trying to eradicate oil and gas from the planet. Right. He's a big environmental nut who spends a lot of his money that he made on oil and gas trying to wipe out oil and gas. And they set up this Ohio Conservative Energy Network, and what this is, this is this is to entice or try to entice right of center people to buy into fake energy, solar, wind, that kind of thing. It's it's that phrase you hear all the time, all of the above. Yeah. It's an all of the above approach. Well, all of the above should not include energy that doesn't actually produce energy and is awful for the environment, which green energy is. So anyway. They had one candidate, his name was uh, Brian Stewart, and we outed him about a month ago, and he, he, he'd he been getting, he'd, he was the CEO of one of the Hydra heads of this Soros-Steyer environmental thing, and he couldn't raise money after that, so he had to withdraw from the race. I'd like to think we had at least some hand in that. Because um, my, my, my maxim is, if you get source and Steyer money, no Republican should give you any money. Right. Um, and well, they had another candidate at the ready. His name is Bob Stewart. He's, he, was in, he, he held local office for like 12 years, and then he was a state rep for like two, and then he ran for the state senate and won that. And then he became senate, senate pro tem. Um, now, remember, this is Ohio, and this was during the tenure of Governor John Kasich, no mm-hmm. conservative, and a buyer into of the environmental lies. So he became Senate pro tem under Kasich, and he's now, you know, run, he was one of the 12, now 11, running in the Republican primary for um, this, this congressional seat. Well, January 1st, oh, excuse me, July 1st, there's going to be a fundraiser for Bob Peterson, hosted by the executive director of one of these Hydra head organizations, funded, these fake energy organizations funded by Soros and Steyer. Uh, his name's McKinley. Uh, he's, been a, he's been a political activist for a while. He's been CEO or uh, executive director of the Ohio Energy Network or one of its offshoots or whatever for a while. 
And he's now proudly, he announced it on his Facebook page, proudly, he and his wife are proudly hosting this July 1st fundraiser for this backup to Stewart, because Stewart's out, uh, Soros-style Republican trying to get into, sneak into Congress um, on, on August 3rd. That's when the primary is. So, uh, and, uh, you know, as I said in the piece, yes, the, the, the fundraiser is hosted by McKinley, his wife, and Soros and Steyer. Yeah, unbelievable. So, so Seaton, make sure I understand this because it's just atrocious. That they, they, uh, in other words, they're kind of putting lipstick on a pig here. It's basically they're trying to make him look like he's a uh, conservative. Uh, right. But, uh, you know, basically what he stands for is whatever Democrats would vote for, including a Green New Deal. He would be, uh, my fear, with, as with Stewart. Stewart, by the way, was also a state rep in Ohio for a while. Hmm. Um, so these these are not out of the blue people. These are entrenched Republican, act, you know, office holders in Ohio. Yeah. And yeah, they, my concern is if they're getting Soros and Steyer money, they're going to owe Soros and Steyer something when they get to D.C. If they get to D.C. And I'd rather not have them get to D.C. and owe them anything. Yeah. So uh, who's the front runner? You say there's twelve or thirteen candidates. The polling it's it's it, it's kind of thrown together. Um, as I said, this guy resigned out of the blue. So they so it's, it's they kind of, you know uh, Governor Mike DeWine, uh, Republican, put together this pri- this primary, and it's only been together a couple months. I have not seen any polling of the twelve now eleven. To see who's in the lead, um, it's still there's still it, it seems to be like just a, a rugby scrum. There yeah, <laughs> doesn't but, seem to be any leader. So we're I'm trying to pick off one by one the worst of the worst at least by process of elimination. Yeah. So, but uh, the did you say the primary is on July the first? No, no, no. His fundraiser is July. 1st. Okay, sorry. Yes. The primary is August third. Still, not a lot and of time. And the general doesn't happen until, like, October, but like I said, that is a complete afterthought. Yeah, so here's the, pro- the, the problem. The problem is that you, it's... Dr- district. Whoever wins the primary can moonwalk Michael Jackson style through the general. Right. But uh, the, the problem is, of course, this is happening during the summer. Uh, a lot right. of people are done. They're not focused on the... Very low turn. This, this, that's the thing. It's a very low turnout. Yeah. So if somebody, you know, Soros and Steyer mount enough support behind somebody, it doesn't... T- and, it, you know... And again, I, I should look up the rules. I don't know the rules. If it's, you know, just you get a plurality, if you get the highest percentage out of 11 candidates, that could be 10%. Sure. And then, and then if, if it's not a, you know, a runoff situation, you get 10% and you win the whole damn thing. And, and if, you know, with Soros and Steyer money and a big scrum like that, that's a distinct possibility. Yeah. Soros, I don't know about Steyer, but Soros has created so much harm. I just think of that Gascon in uh, the Los Angeles and the, uh, think about some of the people that he's put into place with big money. And I'm talking about really big money. That- well, and Steyer's trying to play catch up. He hasn't been doing it for as long, but he's pretty awful. He's pretty myopically focused on environmental issues, whereas Soros funds everything awful. Yeah. Including uh, undermining the rule of law, which is just yes. With that, the, the the quintessential example being that DA, the district attorney out in L.A. Right, uh, Garcon or whatever his name. That's exactly just abysmal. That's exactly right. Hey, before I let you go, do you want to make a comment at all about <laughs> the G seven about the meeting with uh, uh, Putin yesterday? Uh, you know, <laughs> it's hilarious. Remember years ago when the late great Rush Limbaugh used to read excerpts from. 
Al Gore's book, Life in the Balance, and the Unabomber Manifesto and defied you to tell the difference? Uh-huh. When, 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 when Putin was asked about something he did, you know, he's a, he's a thug and a dictator, and he did something to somebody, and he said, I don't know, you should ask America, and then he went on this rant that sounded like he could have been a host on MSNBC or CNN. Yeah. He basically, uh, you know, about Black Lives Matter and the riots. And I mean, some of it was good points that the media doesn't make, but a lot of it was just leftist talking points to attack America. And you couldn't tell the difference between him and, you know, Jim Acosta on CNN. Yeah, just uh, amazing stuff. And uh, I don't know what Joe had in mind when he went there. I don't see what they, what they accomplished. He hasn't had anything in mind but tapioca <laughs> pudding in about five years. <laughs> I don't know what he wanted to accomplish, but. Uh, aside from getting upset at a CNN reporter, it was pretty dismal, quite frankly. Yeah, no, he, we, we, we accomplished nothing but, but advancing the image and, and world stage of, of Vladimir Putin. That's correct. Yeah, Seton Motley, again, the founder uh, and president of Less Government. You can visit lessgovernment.org and also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, I always appreciate your very well-informed commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great day, sir. Thank you. You as well. Thank you. Uh, Seton's off to challenge the government today uh, for a personal matter about uh, wanting to rezone his uh, property. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Bill Barnett, the former mayor of Naples uh, in the cauldron of change and turmoil right now with his ethics complaints. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, 
Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. I proudly serve on the board, and I hope you'll check out the website, thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Bob. It's my pleasure, as always, on a... uh overcast thursday today uh we sure have had some rain we have well we needed it didn't we yeah we sure did and then and then probably another week of this they're going to say um boy it's just too much rain we don't need this much rain <laughs> this time of the year. you know there's no happy medium yeah by the way did you uh, i saw the naples daily news today that uh, we are the best beach community in the united states out of 145 adjudicated communities yeah, I I saw that. I I, I had heard that uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago. I think the Naples Daily was a little slow in reporting it, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, that's a that's really nice. Uh, it'll bring more visitors our way. Yeah, and uh, that'll get people squawking. You know, <laughs> well, gee. <laughs> so. <laughs> But that's that's really good news, and we do have really pretty beaches. We do, and you know, add that to the list of uh, being the healthiest and happiest community in the United States. I mean, there's just a lot of accolades for uh, Naples, Florida, and I think it truly reflects what a great place this is to live. Oh, there's 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 no two ways about it. Yeah, no two ways about it. So, um, and and by the way, you and I talk about a uh, hearing problem on my part. Uh, this is perfect today. You can hear today. Okay, that's so good. I'm, I'm, I may be blasting my listeners out. <laughs> no, I, I don't. Well, the listeners can turn their volume down, but I, you know, to be able to hear, I turn mine all the way up. So uh, you'll find you. There'll be a solution that works. Absolutely. So listen, let me ask you a question. Sure. You think in their wildest dreams that that Watkins family would ever have to go through what they're going through. Yeah, so what the heck is going on? I mean, it uh, seems to me we have this developer coming in. They want to create this world-class uh, resort for the community. And now there's, there's is this a uh, legal hassle or what's happening now? Yeah, you know what? The, 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 um, the, the Athens group who is putting this together and doing this, this um, uh, um, you know, putting the plans and everything together and they are a phenomenal group by the way they 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 are worldwide experts some of their projects bob uh i would be more than happy to stay in yeah. if somebody invited me but um well, by the way we're, we're talking about the naples beach hotel for those yeah, naples beach club right yeah. exactly and um you know it moves along and then something stops it well they finally got to the uh they finally got to the finish line a uh, couple of things to do. They'll, they will have to come back to council uh, for different um, uh, along the way, um, as would as normally a developer might have to do. But um, they have this this uh, person comes forward. He had been squawking throughout the whole process that, and they're only talking about HBs on the Gulf. You know. Um, uh, the famous little little restaurant bar there. Yep. Um, his he says is he's claiming that his his property line is 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 affected, and that he doesn't want them to rebuild it the way they're going to, and he has uh, thrown a lawsuit at them, and and as far as I'm concerned, and I'm no lawyer, and I don't I'm not sure I know what I'm talking about, but 
to me, it's a nuisance. Okay, it's just to get them to stop. And the word is that he's got other people lined up. So if, so if a judge rules against him, another one will pop up because they don't want the, the, the club built. They, they don't want the new uh, Four Seasons built. Mm. And it's a shame because they live, you know, there's quite a few of them that live on South Gulf Drive, which is adjacent to the property. Mm-hmm. And um, they, they just don't want it to happen. I mean, about, tell it like it is. That, that's it. Um, they will give you all kinds of other reasons, but um, none of them make sense. And the Athens group has gone out of their way to uh, to try and please everyone, which you know is impossible. That's right. Well, the other thing that popped in my mind is that maybe he was a gold digger. Maybe he was just trying to get some money, extract yes. some, some, some money out of the situation, maybe with his neighbors well, too. I, I agree. And, the, you know, the word is, and, I, and, and can't hold me to this, but the rumors and what I've heard from quite a few people are, this individual is um, in foreclosure. Um, mm. He's got a he's he, um, bankrupt. He's got a, uh, a not the best reputation, um, and um, you can just kind of see through the writing. And you know, Bob, I would absolutely hate to see this um, go away oh. project. Oh. I mean, it it will be so great for Naples, Florida, in total. Okay, um, and for all of us. And, right. When they finish that project, it, it, it'll be just absolutely um, eye-stopping, beautiful. So we can only hope that the courts or whatever they're doing and the Athens group uh, can can get squared away with the legal team. And uh, I don't even know if they've closed on the property yet because this guy threw that lawsuit up. I'm not saying they haven't, but, yeah. I mean, but I'm not saying they have either. Well, I mean, the patience of the Athens group could be waning as well. I mean, I hope... Th- I hope we don't lose the project. That's my point. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I agree with you a hundred percent on that um, because uh, um, that would be a horrible thing. And I will tell you, I mean, this is just my thoughts. I I think that if that did happen, Bob, hmm. I think that the Watkins uh, family would take the first developer that comes along. Okay, um, unknown one, somebody really good, and and they just put homes all over the golf course. I mean, they'll make their money. Okay, yep. they're doing something they don't particularly want to do, and they certainly tried for the Naples residents, and they've been here, you know, Watkins family has been here for years and years and years, but I, I wouldn't blame them yeah. uh, if, if Athens walks. Uh, they're just going to do what they need to do to get out. Absolutely. So, um, no good yeah. deed goes unpunished. No, no. Uh, <laughs> that one, uh, and, and I like the other one, Bob, uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? Exactly. So <laughs> I understand that the, another marathon city council meeting yesterday. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm waiting for the uh, officials to say that it was a record breaker, but I can tell you what, I can't, I, I cannot um, remember ever sitting at a council meeting from 8.30 in the morning until I, I think it was, because we were watching, I think it was about quarter to 11 last night Wow! before they, they wrapped up and said their goodbyes and have a nice summer vacation, etc. The good news out of that meeting was they, um, that Dana Souza, our interim manager, and he was our, our assistant city manager, is now going to be the interim city manager, and he is a fabulous guy. And um, the staff loves him. Um, he loves the staff. He's very good with people. And so I'm hoping that he has a relatively quiet uh, summer until August uh, and he can get some work done with the staff without um, some of the things that have been going on. Um, the, uh, the mayor was surprisingly quiet yesterday, uh, assured 
the uh, council that she wasn't going to run around uh, like a wild woman and pass ordinances and whatever when they were away, um, even though the city attorney kind of had given her carte blanche to do that. But And um, so I think they left on pretty good terms. They have some issues that they need to deal with, but they'll deal with them when they get back. Um, and um, uh, I'm, I'm glad that they're going on vacation because I really do think they need it. They've... Uh, <laughs> They've, they've had more that went on in this last year uh, than any council I can remember. And, you know, they, they talk a lot. I mean, they really do. They, they talk and they talk and then they talk some more. But as far as list of accomplishments, uh, Councilman Blankenship was, was saying last night uh, how proud he was. They got the stormwater um, master plan, you know, working and where it's supposed to be, but there's also going to be a, a stormwater price increase, which people aren't going to be happy about. Yeah. And uh, there were two things that he mentioned, but, you know, um, that he was proud of for the year. So um, I, you know, again, uh, they did a lot of talking and they've got lots of things on the plate, but they keep moving the vegetables on the plate. You know, yes. that, you know so, that. So, uh, Bill, like, <laughs> my question is, does has anybody raised the issue? You know, does is it just me or is our meetings running long? <laughs> is there something we could do to shorten this thing? Hey, listen, it's not you. It's <laughs> simply because the mayor doesn't, you know, um, being unprepared, number one, and the second thing is, is that, because um, if you watch one of those meetings, if you have the perseverance to be able to do that, um, that you know, they, they have way too many items on an agenda to cover at a reasonable hour, and I think I said it to you before, it's the agenda planning, and it's not that difficult. You can get a very good idea of how long an item should take. Of course, on the, de on the defense you, you, I would always know or be pretty close uh, uh, to, to, to guessing, so to speak, of how long an item should take, and you can then plan your day that way. Sure. Um, but it doesn't do much good if you say, well, this hour should take, okay, by all intensive rights, should take 40 minutes, and it takes two and a half hours. And I'll leave you with this. Um, they had a time certain yesterday that was supposed to be gone, I think, at like, you know, one thirty or 1 o'clock. Um, and, and when they have a time certain, that means they do that at that time because you have people waiting and are, are planning for it. Mm -hmm. They were two and a half hours late on that. <laughs> so, you know, you, so the whole thing needs to be reorganized and um, uh, it's not that complicated. So hopefully when they come back, um, they'll have a better way of doing agendas. Bill Barnett, again, former mayor of Naples, just genuinely appreciate your up-to-date commentary and everything that's going on. Thank you so much for joining us. Bob, have a great one, and uh, speak to you next week. Look Bye -bye. forward to it. Thank you, Bill. All right, well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to visit with uh, William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. We'll visit with Michael Cannon, who's director of health studies at the Cato Institute as well. We'll have a visitor from the Heritage Foundation. We're talking about the G7 and the Putin meeting, and we'll also visit with Dave Beagle, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. I hope, by the way, if always appreciate your comments. So if you have uh, something you'd like to send me, just send it to bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharton.com.